Everybody, welcome to episode 116 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for today, as always, as we build up to the start of MXGP. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport. is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Valandron, Jorge Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine-time world champ and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthal, Recluse, and many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partseurope.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With the dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there's one close to you. So joining me tonight, we've got uh, Ben Rumbold from MX Vice, well-known, doing some great content on the show, as well as his own podcast and, and the writing, especially some of their historic features have been brilliant. And we also got Lorenzo Resta. So welcome, guys. How are you all going? Yeah, great. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, nice to be here. Very good. <laughs> Very good, thank you. All right, so we've had a few great pre-season races throughout the whole season, really, to kick off. It's as many exciting storylines story heading into the new season. So we to, to sort of start off our preview. We're just going to get Lorenzo's take on the weekend at um, La Capelle and obviously Learop as well. There's some pretty interesting things coming out of there and Hawkstone the week before and in Spain too before that and the Italian races. So... How's it all been from your end, Lorenzo? Um, it's it was a quite an interesting uh, weekend. I mean, uh, there's a lot a uh, lot of uh, stuff to consider. Uh, first of all, I want to say that uh, I was just thinking now uh, while you were speaking about the fact that um, uh, when I started this job uh, in motocross, it was 2000. 2004, we had plenty of international races. Plenty of. Mm. We had like kind of 12 at least before the beginning of the championship. As the championship was started, uh, were used to start around April. Can you imagine? It was like, yeah. I think, first year that I was working into uh, MXGP. That at the time was MX1, of course, and MX2. In 2004, I think, was like 4th of April or something like that. Uh, what takes uh, us, us in another time, in another life... Uh, we had at this time 12 GPs, only one overseer at the end of the season. And it was the first time after a few years with one overseer. And it was South Africa. Um, another era, that's for sure. Uh, we are heading to a championship with 19 races. We don't start so early this year compared to other and previous years. But still, I was counting how many international races we had this season before uh, the first GP. And honestly, I yeah. think I can count only on uh, Oxton Park because mm. it's the only real international race at the moment. Before, you, we used to have La Capelle Marival, but uh, they cannot afford any more an international race like that. Paying the riders to go there 
So now yeah. it's French championship. The French Federation put the money to organize and they organize, but they don't have the money to run an international event anymore. Then we had Mantova for many years. Starcross was something yeah. big, huge, amazing, funny, uh, mm -hmm. uh, with the one against one, one versus one rider uh, till the final. I remember like 2010, I had Jimmy Albertson in my team in Honda and Jimmy won. <laughs> in the final against Cairoli, can you imagine? was wow. amazing. Uh, yeah, it was great. And um, and then we had so many events like uh, Valence. Valence was always uh, uh, the kickstarter of the season. They cannot afford anymore. We had races like uh, in, in Belgium, in Holland, everywhere at the beginning of the season. The season was starting like that with like some kind of events that were like show, but that the rider used to. Those This time now, uh, those races, uh, don't exist anymore, a part of Oxton Park that still is one of the greatest event pre-season. But we have the Spanish Championship, the Dutch Championship, the French Championship, and the Internazionale d'Italia that are a series with the support of the Italian Federation. Otherwise, uh, the money to organize those events has gone. Big sponsors, yeah. a lot of crowds. So it's something that has changed really uh, completely compared to the past. Uh, I don't want to say that the races are now boring or different. We have we had really nice races in Oxton Park, in La Capelle Marival, in Lirop. That's a big, big news. Having back Lirop uh, with some MXGP rider and MX2 rider on track was fantastic. <laughs> But it's different. It's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. It's uh, maybe less fun and more serious. So we, I think motocross is heading to this direction, to the direction of being a little bit more uh, serious. I hope that it, this will not take us in a direction like MotoGP or Superbike, where the rider, you can see them only during the Grand Prix. And also mm. testing is reduced, reduced, reduced. Motocross needs riding. When I heard, yeah. like we were speaking last time, about the fact that oh, those races are big risk for the riders, but motocross is risky. You have to train, you have to ride your bike. A MotoGP rider ride his bike out of the track few times only per year. Formula One this year, they, have, they had one and a half day of testing before the first GP of the year per rider, per driver. So uh, I think it's nice to keep motocross as it was a little bit. So maybe yeah. we need to consider and, and, and do something more to promote those international races that are so cool. Yeah, so I <laughs> just to pick up on that lorenzo i mean uh obviously we did uh, a bit of a, a podcast on mx vice and interviewing a lot of the riders and uh james but james couldn't yeah. make it obviously with being a bit sick so um yeah from that side he interviewed jeffrey and he was very much of the mind i know what happened to number 243 and you know i yeah. do not you know i get up behind coldenhoff that was a nice speed for me i don't want to push anymore Maybe it would have made 100, 100 more pounds in his bank balance, but yeah, ultimately it's uh, you know it's a uh, as Harkin Carquis used to call Beaucaire, it's a lemonade race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, is, is there an element? Do you think that's pushing the ride? You know, the risk is pushing up the riders' asking price, um, and yeah. that's making it a, a tricky thing. Because yeah, I mean, you think about it: MX, uh, MotoGP, World Superbike, Formula One in particular. 
it's much more expensive to run those machines. So you can kind yeah. of understand it um, as to why they limit the activity outside yes. of their their field. But uh, yeah, it would be a crying shame to to let those international races slip completely. But yeah, do you think yeah. that's that's part of the problem? Is that just the injuries and how long the GP season is now? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that uh, the, the, how long the season is uh, for the GPs is for sure one of the main issues. Uh, I understand the rider like Fevre or riders like that, that they go at the end of the season for a Supercross in Paris or something like that. Big money, big crowds, but that's something different. The preseason yeah. races are, are completely different. Honestly, I remember when I was running the team, when I was working into the team, this was really a part of the preparation. Uh, you cannot imagine to go to your first GP at the gate for the first time without mm. uh, making any start with your opponent. Uh, yeah. Taking a start with other 30, 40 riders, it's so important for them uh, at this feeling of the race. Yeah. It takes risks, yeah, for sure. It's something that brings some risk into your life. But still, uh, I'm honestly really, really uh, thankful to the, the clubs that still uh, try to do their best to uh, own and run events like Oxton Park. Yeah, and there's plenty of support for it as well. I mean, the, the, despite uh, a, a sort of 30% increase in uh, in price ticket to get in yeah. uh you know went up from 30 pound to 40 pound uh they're still packed it was very very busy very difficult to get in if you didn't get in early like we did and uh you know and it was still you know the, the people lining the track so yeah it was as busy as we've ever seen it and even the riders commented on that so it, it proves that the, the the desire is out there isn't it yeah that's that's really important and i think that probably this year uh, oxton park was so popular also because the gp in england uh, would be at the end of the season so this helped to have a, a big space of uh, uh, time uh, without motor mx gp riders around uh, then you have of course the british championship that is really good one uh, you had the motocross arena but uh, to see again <laughs> the uh, some good riders on track and top riders on track, you have to wait September for Matali Bessin, what is one of our favorite event always uh, because it's so a cool location. The track is honestly yeah. probably the best you can have during the entire season, and the riders love them. They love um, Matali Bessin. Finally, I would say we probably will have better time, better forecast uh, compared to the past, <laughs> because last year was a kind of nightmare, and the year, the previous one also. But uh, I mean, yeah, I it doesn't really matter. Mentally Basin is mentally Basin. Yeah, true. Yeah, I look really looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah, it's a good way of building up the sort of the hype around the season, those pre-season races too, because you look at a, a sport like football, you know, all the teams like your Arsenal's and your Chelsea's, they go around the world play probably yeah. between 10 to maybe 12, 8 to 12 games. And it lets, you know, lets the fans see the new players and, you know, the same with motocross, they can see the new team, new riders, new teams, builds up the exposure and the awareness. So people are sort of, by the time Argentina comes, everyone's like, I know we all probably are pretty amped up about it, but, you know, there's heaps of fans are in the same position. So it's it's a better way to, rather than just coming in cold, Whereas we've had heaps that's been, even though they're maybe not as prevalent as in the past, it's still good to have the those talking points and to get a few trends developing. Obviously, like Jeremy yeah. Sewer and Lucas Coon and in particular have probably yeah. been the standout guys. So yeah, yeah. It's, 
hopefully the, the they, don't, they don't die off sort of like they seem to be. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it used to be it, sorry, it used to be a kind of prologue to the championship. I, I remember 2003 when Everts um, was on the 450 Yamaha, Pichon was on the 250 Suzuki around, around Hawkstone, uh, Smets yeah. was there as well, and it was the first time when they all went together. And Everts really tried really really tried really pushed to get one over Pichon and, and he, and he yeah. did he beat them you know he beat him that day okay it didn't carry through the first few GPs but you know he really used it as a thing right I gotta get I'm gonna get in his head and that was really cool <laughs> yeah. to see and, you know what I mean yeah. there seemed to be I, th- I think Van Donick will perhaps did the same thing he used his motivation from here after Hawkston yes. I think his his confidence went sky high and he, he really pushed yeah. it perhaps more than some of the others but what a result Yes, yes, I agree totally. And taking this kind of confidence at the beginning of the season uh, is a huge boost. Uh, yeah. I, I saw plenty of nice things in uh, in Oxton Park, but uh, what what Lirop uh, told us uh, yesterday was amazing. I mean, uh, as a, probably the, the most technical track you can have in Europe, Lirop, uh, it's <laughs> even worse uh, compared to Lommel. As uh, is, you have parts of the track that are into the woods, and I, the riders who were able to be fast in Lirop were fast all over the world. Uh, the sand in Lirop is heavy, it's dark. Uh, you don't see very well the lines. You get into the woods and you go out. The line are changing every lap, and the shade of the trees are making it difficult to to find and catch the the, um, the the good lines always. Uh, I remember a race with Mark the Rover. I still have the shirt of Mark on my wall here uh, nice. in a frame from that race. It was 2008 and still, I think, is the biggest gap in the yeah. fast lap from the first to all the other riders. It was at one moment of race one, it was eight seconds per lap difference. Mark was flying that day, uh, the only one in the world that was able to ride in that way. Back 2004, lead up the nations with a little 250, two strokes <laughs> against the giants like Stefan Everts, leading Stefan Everts with a 450, four strokes. Yeah. And, uh, and and that the, these tracks says a lot, honestly. And when you see uh, that Tony Cairoli won a title in Europe, uh, that uh, other rider, uh, other riders in the past had great moment in Europe. So Europe is a fantastic track. I cannot, I, I cannot forget about uh, Sean Simpson winning with the Yamaha private uh, JK Yamaha in Europe. That was something <laughs> unbelievable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I was in front of the wait, TV. Uh, yeah. And, and we, had, <laughs> we had to wait, I don't know, like 10 years to see again something like that with uh, yeah. Calvin Vlander and this year winning in Sardinia. Last year, I mean, with a private uh, Yamaha, still a Yamaha uh, in the sand. So mm. as a track uh, where everything can happen. And on this track, seeing Brent Van Donink uh, uh, being the fastest, uh, being the one, the man to, to beat, I mean, yeah. it's strange when you have riders like Jorge Prado as a sand specialist that mm-hmm. wasn't that quick and that fast in the qualifying, then was struggling in the first moto with a huge crash. And second yeah. moto, he just finished, I think, around fifth place to, okay, secure one moto at least. Yeah, uh, it says yeah. something, huh? because Jorge was riding against uh, uh, 
um, Ruben Fernandez in the first round of the Spanish Championship. He won the first moto, but then he wasn't able to beat him in the second one. And mm. uh, and he lost. I mean, he lost those uh, same points, but he didn't win the, the race uh, on the first time. And then again, uh, uh, in yesterday, Sunday, it was uh, strange to don't see him in the first places leading or at least battling for the, for the first places. Uh, it was amazing to see four Honda in the four first uh, in the four uh, first spots of the standings. Uh, that mm. was really honestly didn't expect to see Brent, to see Pauls, uh, Brian mm. Bogers, uh, and and it was really packed. I mean, uh, uh, the, the the group of Honda up there, and that this is really cool because uh, we need a little bit uh, to have more contenders for the places from the 10th to 20 the the fight yeah. can be really exciting this year we have few yamaha privateers few honda privateers that can really honestly fight well and um and then yeah and then there is roman fevre that is uh at the moment as a kind of uh not identified object uh, this new bike <laughs> uh looks awesome because yeah. the new Kawasaki looks really awesome. But I don't understand why the presentation of the bike in Barcelona was made with an old bike. That was, to me, quite <laughs> strange in the pictures. But maybe just because the, the logistic was uh, just easier like that. But then this bike was... Uh, uh, they had to make a lot of tests. They planned to come uh, to make Internazionale d'Italia two times uh, in Ponte Egola. Then at the last time, they decided to don't come because of making testing, testing, testing. Then Arco di Trento, that is a location that we lost the World Championship. Uh, they, they were on for the race. They decided at the last minute to don't come. And yeah. where is Mitch Evans? I uh, didn't mm. saw him around uh, till now. So I'm a little bit like, I don't understand what is happening uh, with uh, with the Greens. I know very well Antti Pironen, who is doing a fantastic job through the years with every brand. He started with the Kawasaki, with Ice One, years and years ago, uh, with the Finnish riders and a little team. And now and then, after he went to KTM, maybe we forgot, with Rui Gonzalez yeah. and Xavier Borges. Yeah. And then they went... Uh, into Squarna factory, now Kawasaki factory, and the team is always the best looking in the paddock, and Anti is uh, such a, a guy with a huge commitment for uh, everything. So he's, he's a hard worker. But uh, I, I don't see at the moment uh, results. I don't see uh, where they are with the bike, where they are with mm. the setting, and what Roman is doing. Maybe they're just by the side, easy, and waiting for Argentina to discover the best uh, um, of of what they have for this season. On the other hand, yeah, yeah, yeah go on. <laughs> uh, sorry, just yeah, just on the on the Kawasaki point. Now, I, I heard Mitch did pick up a small injury. Um, yes. So I think was it a thumb or a finger, something like that. Um, yeah. And also, but uh, they're not um, too worried about him with the bike. Apparently, uh, one of one of his good friends is uh, um, the main Japanese tester for. Yeah. The manufacturer so like he's got yeah. the hotline with what you know what settings work <laughs> and things like that and they're saying he was flying on it straight away quicker even than, than roman was so um and, and roman i think had a an arm pump uh prevention yeah surgery. yeah he had the surgery yeah. yeah he had the surgery before the mm. beginning also this for me is, is always really strange in 2023 mm. uh those kind yeah. of surgery really invasive uh, with uh, surgeries that to open you know and to uh, try to to fix this problem when uh, uh, 
and to have more room for the muscles and for the tendons and everything. But uh, yeah, it's uh, how, how old is uh, Roman now? 27, 28? 32. 32. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll never just check it. <sighs> yeah, pretty okay. sure because it's this birthday yeah, yeah. is New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what? Yeah. What surprised me is that he needs now a surgery yeah. to prevent arm pump. A rider yeah. who was winning a championship back in 2015, he was leading the championship heading to the last round in 2021. So I don't know. That's. Uh, I'm not 31. a doctor, I'm Sorry. a yeah, All right, just, great. Just turned 31 so, on New Year's Eve, yeah. Yeah, especially yeah, like I'm, quite close to the season as well. Like there's yeah, probably yeah, been close, maybe like a bit late yeah, it's, sort of scuppering his preparation. So it's an interesting one, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something something that uh, sounds strange, just this. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a rider and, uh, uh, but, but it's strange that someone takes uh, an operation like that few weeks before the first round of the season anyway a part of the those uh, riders that were a little bit under their possibilities i mean prado fevre uh even uh, i think jeffrey is not still ready 100 in france yeah. it was so easy for him to just go there and be the fastest and win easy but uh i mean it, it was a it was a race where we saw uh one of the fastest kids i ever seen on the on the on a single lap that is gregory aranda who always <laughs> been so fast but i remember i was playing with gregory with the pit bikes back in 2004 2005 when he was a kid but he was riding in mx2 so yeah. uh it's not uh, the youngest rider uh you can put there uh xavier bog back uh on race after a few years of retirement. So that was not really for what concerned MX1, a super race. But what concerned MX2 was completely different because MX2, the the number of riders in France that they will head into the World Championship MX2 or a European EMX250 was honestly huge. And again, Lucas Koenen was playing like, uh, I don't know, a veteran uh, without any trouble any mistakes managing even with his brother i mean that's this isn't something not common and he was faster than the big boy of the team because ron van der dyke uh, we have to consider that he's like the oldest in the team and with the most experienced european uh, emx250 champion uh, going always for the title normally since two couple of seasons so that was impressive and I think that the Nest and Squarna team with uh, Rasmus, they are doing a fantastic job. Uh, at the moment, they have probably uh, the best young team in the paddock uh, for MX2. They won two races in the same uh, weekend, what is not usual, Lirop La Capelle. And Lirop, honestly, K uh, first moto, he won by 52 seconds, what is <laughs> enormous. Is uh, Iago Gers was third, one minute point three. Uh, that's something you need a calendar. You don't need a chrono <laughs> then. Yeah. Calculate that's the okay. last yeah, time. You know, it's, that's wow. pretty yeah. well. Especially yeah. Lucas. Yeah, I had a chat to him a few weeks ago after he won in Spain, and obviously he's won two more preseason races since. And just 
very level-headed for 16. Like, you obviously remember us blokes at 16. I, I was just thinking there's no way I'd be that sort of um, level-headed, I guess, mature, disciplined, just so focused. Obviously, his dad, he trains with his dad, and they obviously get some input from Smets, and they, they've done a bit of work with Hurlings, but it's mainly just the dad and the brother. So, yeah, just the, the level of um, – commitment and dedication to being the best they can with everything they do is it's pretty admirable at that age and they just they're taking the steps obviously they plan to go yeah. to supercross in the in the coming years probably two yeah. or three years but just yeah. yeah i was quite sort of taken aback by how um how level-headed yeah. he was and just methodical and he, his approach was not like his brother's obviously very aggressive and all action and like a little pocket yeah. rocket whereas lucas is really quite calm and elegant and technical yeah. and he was even saying that the expectations probably he's not so fast. He just wants to keep it on two wheels, get the experience because yeah. he knew the steps from EMX one two five, EMX two fifty, then MX two. They're all quite big steps, even though he's making it look easy. They're still big steps when you get to the racing yeah. and the and dropping the starts and everything. But so it's been, you know, he's been racing with Beniston quite, you know, holding his own against all these guys. Kyder Wolf, his teammate, even Nilsson yeah. in the first Spanish. Yeah. Um, test gave him quite a good run and yeah you can't really say much more than really looking forward to it seeing how it actually goes when the season proper starts and have you you've yeah. probably heard some great things and seen seen him too guys so what are your thoughts on him you know i'm um, a part of uh, working for motor sprint and uh, doing a few other stuff uh, during the season i work for one team and uh, i'm like trying to, to help them in many aspects. And one of these is uh, founding riders and uh, make make sure that uh, that everything runs well. And uh, last year, uh, so winter in between 21, 22, I was talking with um, uh, Cohen and father uh, about uh, the kids because uh, the team where I work for wanted to take one of the kids but the father says no we, I will never split them I want to keep them together always but of course the team I work for is a small one uh, very good team but small and uh, Italian uh, but they, they wanted to just take one of uh, the kids but already at that time uh, where they didn't want almost nothing in Europe European Championship. I mean, few good races, not nothing more. The father was really, really like already super professional, saying, "Look, I want this, this, and that, and um, no matter if you don't give me, we go another, another in another place. I want to keep my kids there together, studying in France." If you want my kids, you have to come to France where we're based. You have to take your vans, your mechanics, uh, rent an apartment, a workshop, whatever. But we will not move from here, blah, blah, blah. And so they, they're really like already, uh, there is something that is built since the beginning, you know. Uh, it's not yeah. just occasional that they dare and they ride and they like and they do well. Everything is built since the beginning. And already... In the winter time between 21 and 22, they, the father told me, look, we're here for other two, maximum three years. And then we head to America because we want to go there. We want to succeed there. Money is there. And yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that they will uh, yeah. succeed and they will do a fantastic career. Uh, I'm not a talent scout. I work also with the manager of uh, the Kunen brothers, uh, Jeremy Debis, who is uh, a really good manager, but 
I, as I told you, I'm not a, uh, a talent scout, but uh, many they say that uh, is Sasha the the one, uh, and Lucas <laughs> is just you know a good one. But the one is Sasha. But at the moment, honestly, Lucas is doing so well that it's difficult to think that there is one stronger than the other one. Uh, so, of so course, Lucas you can is the KTM. Yeah. So Lucas is Jet Sasha's hunter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it looks. It looks like. Uh, but like when I was speaking with um, uh, the, um, Lauren's father uh, many many times when, when they were here in Europe, uh, uh, he always said to me that Jet was something different, uh, and mm. Jet was on an eighty-five only at that time, and he said, "Yeah, but." There's nobody like Jet. Jet is unique. Jet will do. Jet will see. And I was like, come on, Hunter is there. He's already in MX2. He was on the podium at the first race of his career with uh, Livia Lancelot and the Honda 114 in Argentina. And so I was expecting, like, come on, it's easy to say, to see that uh, Hunter is good. But the father was uh, really said, yeah, yeah, Hunter is fantastic, but you have to wait and see what. uh, 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 Jet is able to do, and in fact, now if you look at what what is happening in the last years in America, yeah. it's honestly impressive. And his father, I met him in America again last year when uh, uh, I went there with Tony for the nations, uh, the national, sorry, national series before the nations. And uh, the father of the Lawrence was saying, again, we here at this level because we were in Europe, without Europe. Yeah not yeah. be able to be at this level here today and to beat everybody. And that impressed yeah. me a lot, really. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame that the, the, these Cullen brothers and, and the Lawrences, I suppose, are, uh, are using using the GPs as a, as a stepping stone. I mean, is is that another yeah. sort of, another residual effect of this age limit? Is that another, is, is that another symptom of, of, of this age rule that, uh, you know, kids can't have a, a long 250 career it's 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 dictated to them yeah uh, and but yeah these these i mean the conan brothers i mean I, I honestly don't know them that well i've not seen them ride yet but uh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it and obviously the noise around them is quite amazing which is exciting to see new talent but it's just yeah a real shame that it, we're going to see it for two or three years and they're going to have their best years across the atlantic it's just i, yeah. I find that really sad to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, yes. It's uh, I agree completely with you. I don't know if it's only the, um, the age rules. This for sure plays a big role in uh, in the story because uh, it's uh, it's easy. The first one who was affected uh, tremendously by this role was Kiko Kiodi. Who, I mean, it wasn't oh, him yeah. because he stopped uh, at the time. But is is uh, if you take uh, this rule and and you post you 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 put it like in the late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah. Uh, a guy like this that was uh, fantastic mm. with one to five and then with the 250 you will de- destroy his career just putting on yeah. a big bike so but Absolutely i understand right. that uh, you have to push to the main class always but i think in my opinion that this happened naturally when 
the talent, the pure talent is there. And when the capacity to ride a bike like that is there. If you see in the history, riders like Cairoli, Cairoli went uh, earlier on, on uh, 450 just to try in Donington Park in 2007 and he won the race. And yeah. then the first year he passed on the, on the 450, he won. Jorge Prado, uh, he, he passed so easy and quick on uh, uh, on the 450. Um, Tim Geiser, guys, Tim Geiser, till two years ago, he could uh, ride in MX2 and he was already at his fourth or third title or fourth title. But uh, this is, I mean, when, when the talent is there and the physique in the body is there, it's easy for, for some, some guy just to say, okay, I go up easy, but yeah. it's not for everyone. And uh, the age rules takes away a little bit uh, this opportunity to everyone to be really strong in uh, in the categories, in every category. So a mix two needs good talents, not only uh, some uh, shooting star that just pass uh, <laughs> like an asteroid for two years and disappear <laughs> in another in another place. Uh, it would yeah. be amazing to see Tom Vial again fighting in MX2 to see uh, Jorge Prado. Uh, I've seen Jorge Prado a few more years, but after two titles, you have to move. Uh, or if you are uh, more than 23, you have to move. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't agree so much so a lot with the rules uh, in this case, but uh, it's for sure a, a shame to, to see guys like the Lawrence brothers and uh, Kunin brothers probably in future going away. <laughs> Then there is a question of money. That's for sure. Yeah, that's it. Uh, fact, that's the big one. Isn't it? Here, yeah, because the manufacturer here pays a lot for the factory riders that win. Uh, that's we don't have to think that uh, our top guys are poor or don't gain nothing. They gain a lot, mm. but it's the all around the sponsors, the money involved in the series is completely different, and those yeah. kids they go also searching for the money and for the glory. Uh, a world champion in MX2 here. It's a world champion, okay, uh, we agree, but it, it's not a Nero. In America, uh, uh, Jet Lawrence is a Nero. When I was yeah. there and uh, looking at the crowds, they go crazy for him. They, they really are, they want to take out the, the cloth. They want to, uh, you know, they're really heroes. They are really idols. Here, I don't, I cannot see uh Tom Vial when he won the championship like an idol for 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 kids for the masses or uh Iago Gertz like an idol for the masses mm. uh, just the top top guys here are, are really considered the yeah. 250 450 doesn't change so much of course there's a huge difference in terms of uh, popularity and everything but still the kid who is the fastest in 250 is really one idol for the kids yeah, it's an interesting byproduct of the MXGP. Obviously, the the MXGP, the the, the class is the like absolutely dominant force, and that, yeah, that's obviously they want it that way. But then the two fifty yeah. class MX two does get a little bit neglected with obviously the age rule as well. And speaking to Monticelli, he was saying like Butron was a prime prime example, and there's been yes. a host of other riders like maybe even say Jed Beaton, the Aussie might have stayed another year in MX two before going yeah. up even though he did superbly on his debut and then obviously his season was shot with the shoulder injury. And he's back yeah. in Australia now because he's obviously got a better team and a better deal than he would have 
got in Subi State in Europe. So that's kind of the, the yeah the upper echelon. You're doing really well, but if something bad happens or you have a setback, it's not like you can just go straight back into MX2. It's done. You can't do a Christian Craig or a Martin Brothers. You can't have that sort of trajectory in Europe, which is probably it's hard for the fans to be fully invested in riders too like they are. Like you say, the yeah. MX2 title is probably not uh, – you know, they're not going wild like they are for a jet or a hunter or something like that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's happening everywhere. I mean, yeah. road race, uh, Moto2 yep. and Moto3 are getting really unpopular even. Uh, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, the world champion 125 and the world champion of 250, two, two strokes, they were really, honestly, top names. And you had few yeah. riders? That decided Max Biaggi. to stay forever yeah. in that category. Max, Max Biaggi was an icon on the 250 yes. before he even yeah. saw a 500. Yeah, that's it. You, you don't yeah. get that. And all the riders, yeah. uh, they were really like sticking with their categories and winning and uh, fighting. And uh, there were riders like uh, Emilio Alzamora. He never moved, I think, from 125. He won one title against Marco Melandri for one point. And yeah. he always was there, riding in 125. Uh, one of the greatest riders ever. Angel Nieto, he won all his titles in probably in 50 and 80 cc. And what's the problem? Now it's only MotoGP. You see only MotoGP. Uh, All the categories are really honestly just propedeutic, just to come up and, okay, one day uh, Fernandez is now, Raul is is in... uh, MotoGP with Gas Gas, uh, uh, just mm. like pam pam pam, uh, three years from Moto3, Moto2, yeah. MotoGP. That's Crazy. wow, astonishing. And, yeah. and too soon for him, I think. But yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the tarmac world. But yeah, that's the <laughs> and I, I yeah. think Prado. I think Prado was forced up too soon. I think Prado should have stayed. Yeah, down. he was forced because of two titles. Physicality, yeah. physicality yeah. is not there, especially for twenty GPs. Yeah, I remember when uh, uh, they decided to start changing the training and the physical preparation for him. And it was before the start of uh, the last season in MX2 already, because they knew that uh, he could easily win the title. And in that case, it was the second title and he needed to move. Uh, He could not stay in uh, in MXGP. But at that time, uh, they started to build up the physique of... uh, uh, Jorge for uh, MX uh, GP, but then something uh, was getting wrong uh, every time because uh, he got this injury to the femur and he broke his femur. Then uh, the yeah. COVID, and every time there was something, and it's a little bit of misfortune because the talent of this kid, honestly, is uh, really uh, pure and and yeah. and rare. I mean, that there's not so many that are this able to ride with this incredible technique. Uh, when you see him riding in the good days, it's honestly difficult, really difficult to see someone riding better and in in a more beautiful way, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting yeah. with him because obviously then those injuries, they compound and to be at those race, those elite guys like guys that you were saying last time you were on, he's always adapting his training methods to, to keep up. And so when you're losing all yeah. that bike time, when you maybe weren't completely physically ready in the first place or you haven't built that base up, it's just putting you on the back foot every time. So he's he's definitely yeah. got the talent. It's just the speed. He needs the consistency, the continuity to get there. And I was going to quickly ask you guys, between both of you, obviously we had seven winners last year in MXGP. We had Geisa, Prado, Valandrin, Renault, Sewer, Bogus, and Koldenhoff. 
who do you reckon? Andrew, do you see us getting seven again? Obviously, we're going to be adding Hurlings to the mix. We might get Fevra. You never know. Maybe Jonas to the list. Brad Van Donick might pull a privateer hero right in the sand. You, you never know. Mitch Evans, uh, Guadagnini. Like this, the class is quite ridiculously talented, especially at the upper, the top twelve to fifteen. So. Who are you guys? Do you think anyone's going to make it into that mix or are we going to have like a super cross thing where you end up with three or four winners every year, five max kind of thing? <laughs> Lorenzo, Go on. You know, you, are you sure? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I could see, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> no, I, I can see. No, I'm back. That's cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, um, I've got you caught me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I was going to see. I, I reckon. I think Seaware is is. Um, I think he's favourite for round one. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Herling certainly isn't at his best. I don't think Febra's at his best yet. Um, and I, I don't. I don't. I, I don't see. I don't see Coldenhoff catching fire either. So yeah, I think for MXGP, I think that uh, it's me, If I'm Prado, I'm rubbing my hands. I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you know, the the, the 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 champ is out for the meantime. I mean, it's a long season. He might catch up. He's supposed to be back at round four. These guys heal fast now. You never know. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I can't see Hurlings being 120 points clear by the time Geiser joins it. So, you know, I think it's possible you can catch up. But I think you'll see five. I think you'll see Sewer, Hurlings, Fevre, Geiser. I think Geiser will win when he comes back. Because he, he's just a rubber man, he will heal and he'll be back. You know that's that's about it. Um, but yeah, the, I I don't know. I, I think that uh, I'm hoping it just gets as intense as as 21 was, where we just get the guys really push themselves so hard that no one else gets a look in. But you know, I know I'm all for variety, but I also like to see the real big guys duke it out. You know. And I was going to mad. I didn't even mention Fernandez then before I pass it to yeah. you. Yeah, so well, like, I was speaking wow. about it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about it. He was him. super good against uh, Prado. Oh, that second moto, he was pushing the limits so hard. Eh? It was yeah. it was really fun to watch because he Prado yeah. sort of they kept doing this cat and mouse thing, but obviously he went off the track and Prado got past. But it was a brilliant battle, and Fernandez kind of flexed his muscles quite well there because obviously Prado probably wanted to win on that circuit, especially too. So it was cool. So your take, yeah. Lorenzo? Nice one. Might, yeah, like, I mean, it, it might be uh, a contender. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> So if I have to 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 speak about the contenders for the title, I completely agree. For me, this season is a blue season. It's a blue year already since the beginning. Uh, I never see Jeremy uh, so good uh, at the beginning of the season. I saw him calm, quiet. The bike is impressive. Uh, the way it uh, goes out from the corners, the way the bike push on the ground is fantastic and it's really stable just on that note Lorenzo the Yamaha going up Hawkstone Hill had a different exhaust note it just sounded so sharp like it went up that hill and I was like hello that sounds like it's fit (laughs) you know and you don't hear that many times in motocross but you know it's it's head turningly and but in Yamaha I see only two guys going for the title and of course Jeremy as I said for me is at the moment the favorite number one for the title 2023 but he has uh, the biggest rival in his team and is Maxime Renault Maxime uh, I don't know if he can find the consistency to finish the season at uh, the top but it's one of those kids that never give up the season he won the title, 
he was alone in his team against everyone, even against his team, and he was able to win. He was able to win very, very in in, in a fantastic way. He came into MX GP, and I don't remember what he did in. Uh, um, the first race of the season uh, in Matterly Basin, maybe he, he won straight the qualifying race or something like that. Uh, but it was already since the first race, it was at the top of the level and then yeah. easy for the first podium of the season, easy for the first victory. I mean, something that everyone was like, oh my God, what happened? It, it happened that he's a fantastic rider with a unique motivation, he's a hard worker, but on track, when he's uh, uh, the moment for fighting, it's an animal. So Jeremy and Maxime, for me, Jeremy the favorite for the title, but he have really to take care about Maxime. Then, of course, uh, the, the races like last year when we saw Calvin winning in the sand, wide easy, uh, Brian Bogers made really well in, in uh, Lommel. When you have on track uh, riders in good shape, like Jeffrey Erlings, I don't think it can happen again that we see Calvin winning in the sand or Brian Bogers winning in the sand or even Brent Van Donning. So if I have to think about then the winners uh, of one, at least one race, I would say, of course, Jeremy, Maxime Renault, uh, then I can say not about uh, uh, Jeffrey Erlings and then Roman Favre, it's time to win again one race in in 19 GPs, he should win for sure more than one. Tim, when he's back, he will win, that's for sure. I really hope that this is the season for Mattia to win his first MX GP race. Uh, he's doing pretty well, mentally, physically, with the bike. Jorge Prado, he won every year at least one GP. He's a fantastic uh, rider. His uh, technique is unique. In the sense, he's a beast to me. It's even, uh, I don't understand how he didn't won in uh, in Lommel because Lommel was his kingdom since uh, he was a kid. So uh, there, there are plenty of uh, potential winners, but yeah. I don't think more than last year. Last year, they were a lot. So, and Ruben Fernandez, uh, never seen Ruben uh, so good in the past. He's fast, but he do less mistakes probably compared to, to the previous seasons. So I stick a little bit what, with what you said, guys. Uh, Mitch, I love him. I hope I uh, can uh, get on the top of the spot. But it's the same as Glenn Koldenhoff, uh, Ruben Fernandez. Uh, uh, those riders, to me, not honestly contenders for the title, at least if something really... Uh, unique uh, happen with injuries or stuff like that. But the top mm. uh, guys for me, Jeremy, uh, of course, Jeffrey, uh, Roman. Don't know about Tim. I hope he can uh, come back soon and fight. But when you lose three, four races, honestly, uh, statistics said that it's, it's almost yeah. impossible to fight for the title. Yeah. And also, it would be great to have your take on um, Ben Watson and Lapino. Obviously, you, you know Lapino very well in the team. Uh, obviously, yeah. did quite well in the Trentino. He was running in third when the race unfortunately yeah. stopped with the with the geyser incident. But yeah, have you got any insights on Ben Watson? Obviously, the fans are we would be pretty keen to hear hear how he's going. Obviously, on the surface things look good, but everything's happy with the bike and that kind of thing. 
I mean, I, I hope we can, uh, he can, they can do well both. Of course, uh, Alessandro is the oldest on track this year. Uh, what it's amazing because I, I, I know him since he was uh, a little kid, really little kid. His uh, voice has changed and now it's like uh, a big voice, uh, like <laughs> yeah. make a little white, but, uh, <laughs> but a part of this about the jokes, uh, to me, it would be honestly incredible to see him one day on the podium in MXGP, but it's really tough because, as we said, there are like 12, 14 riders that are able to fight for the podium. The same for Ben, a fantastic kid, uh, the most kind of and polite kid that there is in uh, in MXGP. But still, I hope they can do pretty well, perform pretty well. But seeing them going for a victory, for example, uh, no, I don't think so. I think uh, maybe one day, one podium. Uh, why not in the sand for for Ben? Uh, yeah. We can do perform pretty well there. But it's really, really difficult. I mean, the the the, the group is so packed that is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, to follow on too. from that, um, Ben, I was going to ask you, mate. Also, MX2, we obviously had Lagenfelder, Geertz, Vial, and Beniston, just the four winners last year. So, yeah, obviously, Vial's gone, and it's going to be pretty interesting up the top there. You'd, you'd be looking for Kai DeWolf and maybe the, one of the, the Conan brothers, maybe both. And you've got Everts and Adamo, who he's, he's yeah. probably going to probably surprise a few. And yeah, Elzinger as well coming in. So, there's yeah, there's, it's going to yes. be pretty tough for wins. It's sort of it's hard to know, especially with Yago's performance the other day. But speaking to Adamo, he's he's quite happy with the bike now. He said it was quite a a little bit of a challenging um, process to get used to the KTM, the new one. Mm-hmm. Ride it a certain way. If you ride it slow, it's not happening. You got to sort of push it a bit to get the best out of it. He was saying, and he's just feeling quite confident and and then happy with everything. He's had that time with with Smets and obviously Cairoli. He's been helping him yeah. a lot. As you know, Lorenzo. So he said he's everything's yeah. feeling pretty good. And um, speaking to Harry Norton as well, he said those guys were not putting big pressure on them to to go out and do amazing things. It's just the building blocks of the season and and keep it on two wheels because that's where you're going to do your learning and make your steps. So do you think we'll get more than four winners, Ben? Firstly, uh, in MX2, yes, I, I I do think so. Actually, yeah, I mean, um, funny enough, I was just going to say something about MXGP there before we switched over. Yeah. But that's that's cool. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Maxime Renault's first race win uh, was in MXGP was in Argentina. So, yeah, he was uh, second to guys that only won two compared to 2-1 motors. So, yeah, Maxime must go to uh, Argentina pretty confident, I think. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's just one thing I noticed. And Fernandez was uh, third in race two as well. So, yeah, he's got form around that circuit too. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and, yeah, MX2. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, it's, it's, it's pretty packed. Um, I'd like to see... I think Langenfeld has got a lot of um, potential, but uh, he's had the first double win at Matterley and then didn't follow up on that. So, yeah, it's difficult to say. I, I, I got to be honest, I really would like Hertz to win it. That was that's who I'd love to see, <laughs> just because it's been so long for the Belgians. I, I know I shouldn't pity them because I'm I'm English and it's been even longer for us. But you know, it's like it's like been so long for for the Belgian nation to have a, a world champion. It's the longest time ever they've gone without one. Um, so it would be great to see Yago deliver because he really deserved it last year. Um, and to drop it was a shame. He rode fantastically at Redbud. I thought he was. I thought I thought. 
You've yeah. got to go up. You've got to go up now. I thought, just forget yeah. X2. Just just get on the 450 and, and, and go while you've got that fa- factory amp out there. Um, so, you know, he must move up to that by next year, obviously, because of the age. But, yeah, I'd like to see I'd like to see Kiertz take it. Um, but I fear that the kids are just going to catch him up. Um, I like totally you say, agree. Ben is gone. You know what I mean? Ben is has yeah. got a chance. Um, I'm just looking at the table here from last year just to sort of see uh, some of the mixes' names there. Um, Liam Everts has obviously got the the heritage and the backing. Um, I'm not sure if there's that fire there that drove his dad. I really don't know. I might be wrong. He might be looking at me, giving me the middle finger now. But, <laughs> you know, and, and for sure his dad will. So I'm really sorry, Stefan. We, I, I've always loved you, Stefan. And my mum loves, loves you even more than me and my own, my own father. But uh, yeah, that's just, I just, I, I don't see that, that, that Everett's had, that Stefan had, you know, yeah. that's the only thing that I just, you just, that hardcore, you know? Um, and I, I, I wish to be proven wrong, but I just don't see that in Liam at the moment. Hopefully we'll, we'll see a bit more of that. Uh, Beniston, I think is, is like you say, yeah. perhaps the biggest threat there. Cause uh, again, the Yamahas look so good. Um, and uh, yeah, he is building, 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 building. So yeah, I, I, I hope for here it's, but I fear Beniston, but I think maybe the one I think might well do it is the Wolf. I think he's a bit special and he's yeah, tall. Uh, so I, I always cheer for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, honestly, I totally agree with uh, with everything you said. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, we, we will see at least one of the Conan's brother already winning uh, this season one race because uh, the momentum is fantastic and they are just doing fantastically well, mostly at the moment, Lucas, but uh, uh, keep waiting for, for Sasha. Uh, for what concerns the, 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 the title contenders, uh, uh, Iago lost the last three championships there's always been someone who was able to beat him last year his riding and his speed was on another level compared to all the rest of the field apart of Vial of course but he was able to match the speed of Vial that was honestly impressive in the first year and so good last year Uh, but then there is always something that is not going in the right uh, direction for him First of all, I think as something mental, nothing to do with technique or riding style or physique, because this kid is so good uh, in riding. But there's something like in his head that is not turning well at the right moment. Uh, Finland last year was the proof that something, uh, uh, if something can go wrong, is going wrong for sure. Will go wrong for sure. And uh, so, to me, and I'm. I, again, I hope that I'm wrong eh? because the kid is so nice and uh, uh, shy and reserved uh, and is in such a good team. I know Michele Lavetti since many, many years. We have been together here in Rome many times when he was working as a mechanic for Tony Cairoli. He's such a uh, impressive personality and he's doing a fantastic job as a team manager. But uh, um, what I'm honestly... Uh, thinking is that uh, for Iago, maybe it's already too late. Three times beaten by someone like in that way, and this year again is full of young guns ready to shot him and to say bye bye. We faster, we younger, we quicker. And then when he will move into a mixed GP, maybe the level will be again a little bit higher compared to now. So the right move for me was the same. 
after what I saw in uh, in uh, Redbud last year. That was a, such a great race. You know that if I'm thinking about Iago, I'm thinking about 16. And you will say, why? Because it was the number he was using in Red Bud. I see him with his number 16 on the bike and with the graphic of the Belgian team on the Yamaha. And yeah. it was so impressive to me that I don't think again like a 93. You know, it's, it's strange. But so to me, for 50... He was. He proved that he's able already to do. And if he stays there, and again he maybe lose, maybe not. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But if he's if he lose again there, today yeah. he would be forced to pass in MXGP. Maybe it will be already too late because then it's really difficult to win a, a title. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe the time for MX2 is already gone. And uh, K the Wolf number one. Thibaut Beniston, if he found a good uh, uh, consistency, can be also a title contender. He won anything till now. 125 EMX, 125 EMX, 250. Then into uh, uh, MX2 World Championship with such a strong character. Don't forget that last year, every time there was uh, the possibility to let Iago pass, he said, no, I'm here to win. I'm I'm not here for other riders to win i'm here yes. to win by myself and he was out of the t- fight for the title but he was so proud to be on the podium in france yeah. that maybe he made the hugest gift he can do for vial that day and it was the french yeah. gp but how can you yeah. ask to a kid a french kid that is able to to go on the podium for the for the first time in mx2 you know in front of his crowds <laughs> so, do, do you think with do you think with here it's just so just to think about here it's that do, do you think it's that sort of confidence thing that something in, in his head is sort of believes he, he like sort of just fears it. Uh, and that kind of gets overridden when he rides for his country. The I don't know. He, the, the pressure doesn't get to yeah. him as much when it's for the nation, you know? To, to me, it was a kind of uh, something like that. I mean, without any pressure, because Belgian Belgian team wasn't going for the title uh, at the nations. Uh, and he was free to ride, as you know, as he's able yeah. to do without any pressure and with this kind of hunger uh, because he lost the title with, uh, against Vial that he really wanted to. To me, sometimes maybe there are some ghosts on the track, you know, people that beat you often, people that uh, are against you. And and, that, and and the pressure to win the title is huge there, I yeah. think. And his teammate beat him, Maxime Renault. Uh, Tom Vial beat him twice. I mean... It's time to to move. Then, of yeah. course, uh, the the life of a champion is never easy. Eh? We see only the glory sometimes, but uh, there is a lot behind. And uh, and to to fight against those kind of ghosts, as we say in Italian, it's not easy. Uh, you have really to prove that there is not only mm, the, the capacity of riding well, uh, something more in your head, yeah. more in your wrist, more in your heart. And when everything goes together, you still need to be luck, very luck to get it till the end of the season. So, Keita Wolf, Thibaut Beniston, Simon Langenfelder, those three riders, to me, are the main contenders for Iago Gers. And then, (laughs) right down, right down. uh, I see some underdog, uh, like uh, Lucas uh, can be one of the underdog and a few others that can do pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah. Beniston obviously staying fit through a whole campaign in MX2 now is the yeah. key, like you said. And just I remember that ride in Germany last year. That was probably like one of my favourite performances of the year. That the, yeah, the, just when he won in Germany, it was just brilliant. So technical, he handled that track, which you need to be pretty on top yeah. of your game um, to to really navigate it as well as he did. But he looked like he wasn't even trying. You know, it just comes so easy to him. And um, I know James has been working on a, a documentary on the Yamaha and the Monster guys and listening to hear, hearing Beniston and Geertz talk and they're not really, like he said, Tebow was saying, he's not really kind of approachable. They're not really, don't really get along. And it's just like uh, we're, we're a team, but it's like we're completely separate essentially. So it's an interesting yeah. dynamic under the awning as well. Um, there, so it must be probably adds to things that there's probably a bit of tension there, whether whether you'd like to admit it or not. So yeah, it's shaping up pretty good, and there might be a couple of guys that sort of throw a spanner in the works. Like as you would you would know, Tom Dell actually rode quite well, especially at Ponte Agula. Yeah. Guys like yeah. Hogmo and and Harrop, and I'm even quite keen to see Camden McClellan. Obviously, he came over a little bit uh, late because he got stuck in South Africa for for longer than he. Yeah. But I'm expecting on the JM Honda, he he could do some pretty good things. He's obviously on quite a nice little upward trajectory from EMX to 50 last year. So he could be a guy that maybe gets in on it a bit. If we're given maybe towards the end of the season, he probably needs a bit of time. And even the Brit, Joel Rizzi, mate, hopefully he was really yeah. great at Hawkston. And you never know. He's, <laughs> yeah, he was. I had a chat to him probably at the start of the year, maybe. And he said, what I was missing was the fitness. That was the key thing. I couldn't match it for two motos or maybe even one moto with these with these guys. And especially in the sand, he's, he's obviously quite competent in that too, or very competent yeah, in it. So, and he feels like it's a family at Riley and he's he knows everyone's doing in, in the right direction. And even back then he would say, we don't know if we'll go to Argentina just to see how I go in pre-season. And obviously the, the things are great and He's happy with his teammate when he comes back hacking as well. So it'll be really cool to see how he goes if he has, if he's amended that fitness, which he said he was working tirelessly on so he can match those guys. And, yeah, any other surprise packets you guys might see, like a Guion or someone like that sort of do pretty well? I mean, I was impressed in Lero uh, about Andrea. Andrea um, Bonacorsi. And, uh, yeah. okay, we know in San there's uh, special kids – I remember his first podium uh, back in the years was in uh, Lommel with a private uh, KTM Silver Action uh, with 34 or 35 hours on. So uh, quite an old bike uh, with like iron wire everywhere to keep uh, <laughs> the, the parts together. And and it, 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 it was third. Then he was able to win uh, both motos with the 125 with Fantic. Uh, and then he won the title there. And then he was able to do always good races. And don't remember, don't forget, last year Riola was a perfect race for him in the sand. So yesterday he was able to be faster, quicker, and to stay in front of Jago Gertz, uh, who is one of the best uh, MX2 riders in the sand. So um, I hope he can uh, take this momentum into the EMX 250, certainly to speak about the European Championship. But I think that Andrea last year was suffering a lot from the first race in Metalli Basin when he was injured uh, while he was a wild card at the beginning of the season. 
And while well, he was doing pretty well, huh? because in uh, in practice was uh, like seventh or something like that, doing pretty well. Then he was injured, and then uh, he had few few issues in the team with the uh, uh, Dutch team, Dutch rider going fast uh, like Rikel Zinga was uh, last year, and he's put him in uh, a little bit un- under a shade. Uh, that uh, was covering his talent a little bit too much. And yeah, I wanted to ask out. you, did you have any insights into that? Because some of the races he was like ridiculously fast and then some he was like yes. battling for a top 10. It, it, well, I was just wondering, is it like, is it just a motivation thing or on the day or obviously like you've said, uh, there's think- stuff in the background because he's like one of the fastest guys out there when he's on his game, eh? Like it's yes, he, he had a few issues last year. He had few issues with the uh, health also. Uh, what uh, he, he was never declaring because he's a really uh, uh, reserved person. So he was riding also when he wasn't at the top, and that put him not in a good light. But uh, when he was in a good shape and mentally free to do and to give everything, uh, honestly, it was impressive. And uh, uh, this year I met him. Uh, uh, the start of the season was a nightmare because Ponte Agola, uh, when footbag fell down from the bike uh, during the first Jeez. or second lap of the practice, what uh, put him out of the race immediately. So no Ponte Agola. Arco di Trento was a little bit of a struggle, something better, but not easy. And then uh, better and better and better. And now we saw someday that he was able to be on the podium in between Kaide Wolf and Iago Gertz. Sand is his favorite uh, surface, so of course uh, it's a little bit easier for him, and he was uh, doing pretty well. But I saw him really motivated, physically in a perfect condition, and uh, if he start to be the, I would say, the top rider in his team, and he feels the team fully behind him, it would be one of uh, the guy for the title. I hope so. Yeah, because Calvin was saying when he came on the vice show for Landry and saying he's he's faster than him some days. Like he's an yeah. absolute weapon. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, um Andrea is a worker. He's a hard worker. He's one of the nicest guy I know. Uh, I know him since he was in uh, KTM Celestini team uh, back in the days with the 125 here oh. in Civitavecchia, the harbor of That's Rome, uh, where many many talent. Uh, uh, where in the past Celestini, don't forget Sandro Celestini was the firm of uh, uh, Claudio De Carli at the beginning of the Yamaha Adventure when they founded mm. the De Carli Celestini team and he was there or still in 2004, 5, 6 when Tony started winning in that team so Sandro is a good uh, uh, talent scout he has two sons that are following his steps one of the two, Gianluca, has now a gas-gas team uh, in Italy, and he has one of the most promising Italian kids uh, that comes from Sicily, again, <laughs> with, a, with a name that sounds like Dutch, but he's, he's Sicilian. Uh, it's Gennaro Utecht. Gennaro Utecht. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really... Oscar really, uh, U-T... Uh, I would uh, C H something like this. Right. Sounds oh, like the soccer team Utrecht. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something like yeah. that. Sounds a little bit like that. Yeah. And Gennaro yeah. is one of the really good guys uh, in Italy at the moment. Uh, really young, but uh, I mean they are doing a pretty 
nice job and they have some mechanics that were former mechanics with the Carly at the time of Federici, Chiodi, uh, riders like that. So uh, it's, a, it's a nice truck. And I would say that uh, at that time, Andrea was in that team and I was working for them. So I know Andrea since really long, long, long time. And uh, it has been always one of the fastest kids. Practice, fantastic, uh, good style, good tech riding technique. It's um, uh, Lumberjack. Uh, Tim, how do you call the guys from the mountains that, uh, you know, could the tree? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's one of the guys. He, he comes from north, from Bergamo, where yeah, all yeah. the top Atalanta. riders Italian in the past were coming from. And is like really uh, for him, his dog, his legs, the mountains, and go walking. That that is his ideal day. So when you put him on a bike with the noise, with the crowds, with it sounds strange, but it gives uh, huge, fantastic results. But he's one of the most serious and nice person I know. And Andrea is able to be really, really fast in the good days. So I really hope for him that he can find the key to be competitive since the beginning of the season. Because I think that this year we have two Italian riders in EMX 250 that uh, can give a lot to the not only the Italian, but the European motocross and Andrea Bonacorsi and Valerio Lata. Because mm -hmm. Valerio, European 125 champion, I agree with the one that says that they won the title, European title, because uh, um, his contender was injured, uh, Osteragen, uh, Akon uh, was injured after Akon won uh, the world title and then Valerio finished second. And Akon was leading the championship, then he was injured, and Valerio took the win. But you have to be there to win the title. If you're not second when the first get injured, you don't win. And uh, Valerio is doing huge step during the winter. He's on a very good KTM bike. Uh, and I hope this, this, those two kids can fight with the rest of the Europe, European guys uh, to be there for the fight for the title till the end. Well, obviously, yeah, with Bonacorsi, obviously there's going to be some vacancies in the Yamaha MX2 team next yeah, year with sure. Hits. And I'd imagine, I'd assume Benestad's probably gunning for Supercross at some point. I've heard murmurings, um, awesome. maybe, but he's definitely got the talent to do it. So, yeah, there's a few little wild cards in the MX2 class, which is which is shaping it up pretty nicely. And also MX, with be really looking forward to see how Andrea goes. So thanks for that insight. Yeah, there, I know mate. also that... Uh... <laughs> I was speaking with Michele Lavetti and he told me that Andrea was the first choice for the MX2 place uh, alongside with Iago and uh, with Thibaut. But then yeah. Rick was so good and he won the title and he deserved the place. So that's why Andrea decided, I mean, they decided to keep Andrea in uh, the MX250. They proposed him uh, to go in a private uh, Yamaha team uh, in the World Championship. But I think he made the right choice to decide to stay one more year. Also because the EMX250 at the moment, the level is so high that it's difficult to, to think that this series is not good enough. For uh, if you are good, so um, I think it, that was the, the right choice, and I, I hope that next year, uh, of course, Iago will go on. Uh, Thibaut, I don't, we don't know what he will do, and then Rick Elzinga for sure, he will be uh, hundred percent uh, there because he has a contract already for next year. But uh, I hope that Andrea can join that team, that structure that is one of the best you can have in a mix too. 
it's definitely going to be an interesting nice. one seeing how Elzinger will go too. Just, I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts because obviously Kuhn and Lucas, especially, we won seven of the last eight motos, three of the last four overalls in EMX 250. And maybe if he started that run a little bit earlier, I think before Lommel, Lommel, he really kicked it into gear. And it would have been interesting to see if he had that earlier consistency and if he avoided those missteps earlier because – yeah, he kind of just sort of coasted at home in the end, Elzinger. So it's kind of hard to know how we'll squeeze into that MX2 class because obviously it's not going to be easy even fighting against your Harrops and your Hawkmos for, for those top five, even top eight places. So really interesting to see how he'll go. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, sure. Quite a hungry little pack there. I mean, I think uh, Van der Moosdijk is, uh, is another wild card there. I think uh, we haven't really spoke about him much coming back from injury. Um, and he was on on a good trajectory until then. So, yeah, you'd, you'd think that he would come back with, uh, with a good year because I don't think he's got long to go in the class either. So uh, with a couple of years' experience and a, a decent winter, hopefully that uh, Rowan will come through. Um, and, yeah, just, I just cheer for Joel Rizzi, to be honest. Yeah, there's, one, there's, one, there's some British hope there somewhere, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I think Elzinger and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty impressive result from Bonacorsi and uh, to, to be second at Lerop. I mean, that's something that's, yeah, that's quite impressive. I mean, uh, you know, there's, it's not as bad as it used to be, the old Italians in the sand thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's true. still really impressive, isn't it, for a young kid to, to, to be there. It's still not yeah. natural for him, is it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm working on a project. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit secret, so I, 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 I don't want to talk a lot about this, but uh, uh, I'm working on a project uh, that is not mine, but I'm trying just to help out and sort out some nice things. And it's, uh, um, I would say, a documentary on motocross and it's made in a fantastic way and uh it's about uh, i cannot say so much but it's about the story of one of uh, the greatest rider ever i cannot say who but he won nine titles uh, this guy so but uh, don't say nothing please and uh, <laughs> there's a moment uh, there's a moment where uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! Don't say, please. I will not say that is an Italian one, so don't worry. And uh, but uh, and this documentary, honestly, is something really, really nice. I hope we will uh, see soon uh, somewhere. But um, in there's plenty of people that are talking with interviews and stuff. And one of the most impressive is Mark the River, who said that uh, uh, when he started, uh, I mean, when Tony started riding in the sand. Uh, it was it, it was like twenty seconds long. <laughs> who who was but, that? Who started the sand? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Tony was just twenty seconds lower than Mark at the beginning, but then he was yeah. there looking and asking, looking and asking, and following, trying to follow, trying to follow, till every day till it was faster than Mark. That at the time was the king of sand. I mean, he's always the king of sand. And Andrea, it's uh, it's impressive because it's the kind of kid that put himself in the sand and till he didn't, he wasn't the, the I mean, one of the fastest, uh, he didn't came out of the track. He always wanted to try to learn, try and learn. Uh, and, and it's amazing to see how, how now he's, he's good in the sand. Uh, Mark says that uh, just... Kiko Kiodi in the past was moving during the 90s into Belgium to try to get better in the sand. And that was the key with uh, Claudio De Carli when he decided to move the team in Belgium in 2004, saying, yeah. Tony, if we want to go 
for the title one day or to win races one day, we need to move in the sand. And he was, I think, living in Belgium for the first four months of his the uh, Carly's career, and yeah. the first podium of his the first moto he won in his career was in Rutren. Uh, in the sand uh, in a horrible condition and the the, the first podium uh, was in the sand again so it was really honestly uh, a rider that was uh, uh, able to uh, try to, 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 to work on himself till he was good in the sand so uh, it, it happens sometimes that the riders are going there just to train and learn uh, and when they do in the, in the proper way, then they are really difficult to beat. Yeah, that's pretty yes. cool. I remember an interesting story. Just to, sorry to cut you off there, Ben, on the topic of that. Um, Monticelli, when I spoke to him, he said he went to like when he was on a little junior bike. He went to I think it was Lommel, and he had like a he had like a little an, an event there, like a big race. And he said he was like so bad in the sand. And he said his dad said for the second moto, just you just sit and watch. You'll learn more watching than racing. So yes. he said, don't yeah, race yes. the second one and just watch. So and he said he's like obviously he grew into being very competent in the sand. So yeah. it was a nice little story. And another one, Adama day, saying he's getting better in the sand too. Obviously, Tony's helping him now to improve his sand skills. Yeah, I just that I day just was on the Honda Martin, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that just brought up Kyoti's results. Funny enough, just saying that. I mean, Kyoti, this first couple of years, only won on hard pack, like Bell Peach, yes. uh, Baldassarona, uh, Capasfar, Borgo Maggiore. And then uh, it, uh, it, well, after he came back from 250, suddenly he wins in Ruskia Santa, Lirop, uh, Os. Uh, yeah, he won. The, he won the Dutch Grand Prix three years in a row. <laughs> so, yeah, you can see he definitely worked on it. <laughs> imagine the favorite GP for Tony for many years was Valkenswarte. What what yeah. tells a lot. Uh, Lommel, he loves Lommel. Lommel, two thousand twelve for the Nations, he was unbeatable. I was there. I was, there. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I was stunning. He was unbelievable. He was unbeatable, and that was, was. the first time. There was the fighting with uh, with Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Evans. <laughs> yeah, uh, something but, I else. Mean, absolutely uh, brilliant. I mean, that was just a day. You've set me off now because that was just a day of days. I mean, uh, I drove down uh, there with cool. my cousin. We slept in the car on the Saturday night after getting too drunk in the tent. We just couldn't be bothered <laughs> to put a tent up. We just slept in the car. That's and then, like, uh, yeah, Hurling's on the um, in the in the last race when Hurling's fell in the first corner, went past yeah. everybody. He went past yeah. Baggett and uh, he literally slapped his back pocket over the jump next to us. I nearly fell over. He just uh, over oh. the jump, slapped his back pocket like. Chin, chin. and uh, you know just disappeared and uh, and then Carrelli had a Carrelli had a gap hurling yeah. court and then Carrelli yeah. turned it on again I was just like oh. yeah you remember the, the pit lane was in a different position compared to now and yes. the bike were coming uh, uh, into the direction uh, coming into the pit lane and there was a yeah. chicane just before the That's pit right. lane right and then left, yeah straight, yeah, yeah. And this chicane, Tony and Jeffrey, they were like going straight, touching a little bit like pam, 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 straight, without even cutting the gas. That was yeah. something unforgettable. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. It was. Uh, I watched. I watched the first race on that corner. Um, the, 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 oh yeah, the, the, yeah. That was. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah, the flares, the whole, the whole business. Yeah, that was. That was super. fantastic. And uh, was the other race you mentioned there? Just before that, you mentioned another race. Um, 
Oh yeah, Valkensvad. So I was Valkensvad twenty seven. Falcons about 2017, I went on a, a holiday with my uh, other half. And uh, yeah, we had what, what amazed me was in practice. So we, we stood about two corners after the start. Yeah. And then um, one lap, uh, Tony come past on the left of the track. Um, and um, the, the next lap, he came through on the right. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then suddenly, like, he comes around noticeably faster the lap after fastest lap yeah. Tony O'Corley you know, like, okay, you know he, he was really working it out like you know but I also remember from that point that Clement de Salle came past me and and he hit the same bump every lap I was yeah bang bang and I was like oh no, that's de Salle yeah <laughs> I mean the it's amazing just been scared of him <laughs> I remember like 2000 uh it was one Lommel uh, that Tony won I don't know if it's 2018 or 17 but it was a, a good one because at the, the end the last years uh, Lommel wasn't that good for Tony uh but the begin at the beginning he was really really good in Lommel and I remember at the end of the race we were walking the track with him and honestly you know Lommel at the end of the race is like i don't know rough like nothing else in the world it's like you have huge huge hole and and a lot of roots and we were walking into one of those ruts and it was the when it was the the big quad that you do yeah yeah uh, before going for the corner for the for the, the finish it was a bit different compared to the to last year and yeah simpson and paul and this long straight with a big jump and tony said you know you jump from here and then you land there and it was like there. But I said, where? There. Where? It's just there. And then we were walking into that spot and it was I think like thirty square centimeters only. And he said, You yeah. have to put your wheel there because there the sand is harder and then you just land and go for the next one. Otherwise it's soft and you get stuck into it and you get you lose energies and maybe you lose control of the bike so but i said yeah but you land from up there and you land yeah always there and then you take the corner and and it was my godness i said no how is possible i even walking i wasn't able to walk in that track you know because yeah. it's so deep and he was Ridiculous talking deep. like yeah full gas and bump 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 <laughs> and <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. I think even like the Aussie Todd Waters, when he came over, he was saying just some practice days at Lommel and he was talking like eight to seven seconds off hurlings and he said, I was just absolutely pinning it. Like I thought I was going so fast and yeah. and it's just that far behind. And I think 2018 was the race where yeah. hurlings won the second and he lapped up to eighth. That was yes. crazy. I, think I remember watching that, even just watching it back a few weeks ago. And, yeah, it was just like – just poetry yeah. in motion, really, isn't it? Just how he navigates all the sections and just like the going so fast, but he's obviously doing the doing the analysis in his head where he needs yeah. to hit, how he can get over the bumps because like it makes it look so easy, but there's one false move and it's a it's a trip yeah. to the ground. And it's know, gone. So, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty I mean, uh, 2012 uh, in uh, for the nations. So we were talking before in Lommel. Uh, um, I was working in Ondang still, and we had a few Americans coming into the team. I don't remember who they were. Probably, uh, uh, Barsha was on the Honda on, the, on that team at the time. Barsha yeah. was one of of the two, and maybe yeah. Baggett or I don't know. Yeah, it's Barsha, Barsha Baggett, and Dungey was the team. Yeah, so Barsha and Baggett we had at that time. But I remember when they came and walked the track the first time, uh, they, they went back in the tent saying, 
no guys sorry i don't know what 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 is this i don't know what is this <laughs> really they were like shocked honestly shocked uh yeah. that's the reason why many times they decided to don't come also like yeah. uh, in 2003 in zolder they decided to don't race the nation in the sand 2004 they no i mean 2003 they raced yeah. 2004 in europe they didn't because oh, 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 uh, oh three they definitely raced because the americans online yeah. cannot stop going on about ricky carmichael every time it comes up <laughs> ding i got a minute yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, it really does every time. <laughs> but um, yeah, cool, the, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh, Barsha bouncing off to Diker at that Lommel uh, Nations. The, he, he, met, he met his match. <laughs> he met the guy he could not take out. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. All right, I think I think Lorenzo's. Um, I think that's a that's. We'll probably draw a close to the um the MX Vice yeah, podcast, mate. But uh, yeah, I think he's he's got to get got to get out. So, but um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, Lorenzo, and um, thanks for your right, insights and, and thoughts, mate. We'll have to get you back on, and um, thank you as well, Ben. You're doing a great job. If you if you want to check out all Ben's stuff, it's been really excellent. A lot of '80s stuff, a lot of historical articles, and he's done the thank podcast you. too. So it's. It's been smashing, so I really recommend to have a have a look at that. And um, yeah, just anything, any maybe just a final thoughts, just a quick prediction for the Argentina round one from you both, and we'll um, call it there. I'm going to write our predictions down. Yeah, okay, go on, Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's really really difficult. It's the moment I hate, but uh, I would say <laughs> that I put. Wow, that's difficult. Uh. Jeremy for the victory. Uh, definitely Jeremy for the victory. And then uh, Maxime uh, on the podium at the third spot. And uh, ooh. wow. Jeffrey second. Ooh. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I. I was going to pick Seaver as well, honestly. That's what I was going to do. But uh, yeah, oh, I, I'm going to I'm going to pick Seaver to win. Um, I think we'll have Fevre second. Ooh. And <laughs> sorry, I, I, I lost just I lost, I lost the last one. one. Yeah, Golden half. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, yeah and I, cool. I quickly think we'll have a have a sewer Renault and maybe Fernandez sneaking in on that fast track. Go all full gas. So yeah. <laughs> like once again, guys, thanks again for uh, being on the MX Vice show. Thanks to all our sponsors and um we'll get this one out and all the best for the weekend, guys, and we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, right. guys. Cheers. Ciao.